And now we'll have Astad Murphy speak, and he'll be giving the first inaugural lecture of this conference, inshallah. So um, immediately after that, we'll have um, Isha at, um, we'll tell you the time afterwards, but inshallah, we'll have Isha right afterwards, and there'll be some free time. So, Brother Murphy. Assalamu alaikum. Sorry for being late. Um, we're not, we don't at all, we don't at all take your time for granted, so I really apologize. Inshallah, we'll keep the talk short so we can stay on schedule. It's supposed to end at 6.30, so looks like we're doing okay, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salam, ala imam al-anbiya wa al-musleen, Sayyidina Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi, wa man tabi'ahum bi isani ila yawm al-deen, Allahumma ja'alna minhum, ameen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the second chapter of the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, verse number 143. How many verses are in Surah Al-Baqarah? 286. So 143 is exactly half. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he created us a nation that is wasat, wasata, that is balanced, that is middle. The talk tonight or the topic tonight is a topic of hope. And I think a lot of us came to this talk if we expected to hear something. It was going to be a discussion about how we should be hopeful and how Islam is a religion of hope. And these are all true, these are all true topics and true themes and true statements. But I think that more so than talking about our relationship with Allah, we need to talk about how we interact with one another and in regards to having hope in this life. Because, you know, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he taught us something very interesting. I want everyone to remember this. That the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he taught us that the way in which we treat one another has a profound impact on our relationship with Allah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the hypocrites and he mentions the believers and he mentions those who disbelieve and those who strongly believe, we find a correlation, a relationship between their relationship with Allah and how good they are with other people. For example, the strong believers, do they have good character or bad character? What is the definition of character? Your morals, ethics, behavior, and interactions with others. So, right? So in order to be a good believer, you have to have good character, good moral, good inter interactions with others. So when we talk about hope, we do have hope in Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the way, He forbids losing hope in Him. He forbids it. Do not despair in the mercy of Allah. Allah forbids it. It's actually haram to despair in the, in the mercy of Allah. But when we talk about how we treat one another, we need to really focus on, if we're going to be hopeful in regards to our relationship with Allah, we have to be hopeful in regards to our relationship with the other, each other. And there's a story from the seerah that highlights this. There are many stories. But one, or a couple that come to mind, is one very famous one where a young man went to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu he was very, he was, he was a young man, and he, he, had a, he had a certain request, and this request is very interesting. I want you to imagine going to a local imam and asking for a fatwa to commit zina with someone. All right, so you walk into the masjid, you walk in the imam's office, not like an imam, how are you? Alhamdulillah, doing okay, how are you doing? Good, I had a question, sure. Can you give me a fatwa so I can commit zina with this, this girl? That's like, that's how he asked it. He's like, Ya Rasulullah, I want to commit zina, I want to hook up with this girl. And the Prophet Sallallahu at that point could have taken his, you know, adanda and like really just, Made it rain, right, on this kid. He could have, he could have yelled at him and embarrassed him in front of everybody. He could have, he could have done so much. He could have pushed this kid so far away from Islam 
and taken away all the hope that this young man had in his Lord, this moment was a very important moment. What did he do? How did he react? What was his response? This young man asked for the prophet to give him a license to commit adultery, to have premarital sex with someone that is not allowed. And instead of yelling or embarrassing or making that person feel dumb or worthless or stupid, he simply asked him a question. He said, do you have any women folk in your family? And the young man said, yeah, I do. He said, would you be okay if I let some other man do what you wanted to do with those women folk? He said, no, of course not. So, so why would you assume that it's okay for you to do it with someone else? And the young man, and then he put his hand on the chest of the young man. He said, oh, Allah, purify his heart. He made dua for him, sincerely. The young man walked away from that gathering, and he narrated in the hadith, he said, that I swear that when I was going to the Prophet, I had no action more desired by my nafs than having that relation with that girl. When I was leaving, I had nothing that I hated more than the thought of doing that. Because of the response, the Prophet was someone who elicited hope. Whenever you meet someone, there's certain reactions that you get from them, certain emotions. When you see your mom, you you fear, right? No, I'm kidding. When you see your when you see your mom, it's like unconditional love. Like even if you just got into a fight, I remember Shaykh Abdel told this joke like five years ago and at this conference actually. He was like, Your mom is the only person on earth that can be cooking your favorite meal and be yelling at you for what a worthless child you are. Right? <laughs> so like you're so worthless. Didn't even clean your room. It's like, do you want extra sauce in your spaghetti? Okay. All right, Habibi, stupid. Right? <laughs> That's like, that's how moms are. But when you meet certain people, they evoke certain emotions in you. Like when I see my mom right now, like I just, I feel so much love. When I see my dad, I have love, but I also have like respect and like just so much gratitude for what he sacrificed for us. The Prophet Muhammad was someone that when you interacted with him, you had a lot of emotions, but the number one emotion that a lot of people recorded and reported in the hadith was that when they met him, they felt hope. Even if things were going terribly, they felt hope. And that's why even in, when we talk about the economy, when we talk about this situation that we're living in, when we talk about the Muslims in general, and we talk about, for instance, the, the beating that the Muslims are taking in Syria, may Allah help them and aid them. I mean, we talk about the beating that the Muslims are taking all over the world, you know, in, 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 in a military sense. The Muslims are commanded not to lose hope. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us time and time again through the seerah of the Prophet Muhammad that things do get better and that life is cyclical. So the first point that I'd like all of us to remember is that in order for us to have hope with Allah, we have to have hope with each other. You know, all these, all these like tweets like FML, like hashtag forever alone. There's like these 14 year old girls in my community and they're tweeting forever alone. I'm like, really? It's like, why? Because he didn't answer, he didn't take you to the homecoming dance? Right, Jimmy didn't give you your Oreo back when you had your cold. And they're like, like that's why you're forever alone, right? Like, you know, and, and they, they take things so out of proportion. But you know what? I think that culturally, we're taught to be a little bit pessimistic. Culturally, we're taught to be a little bit negative. Like, we look at things in a negative way, right? And whenever you meet someone who's really overwhelmingly positive, people get kind of sick of them. It's like, God, this person's never, like, critical, Right? People will be in a circle talking about someone backbiting. And then one person's like, you know, we shouldn't backbite. Everyone's like, goody, goody, right? Like, who called, who called the Sahabi over here, right? <laughs> but you know what? That hope and that positivity is something that the Prophet ﷺ cherished. Something that he taught his companions. Is that whenever you're around someone, to be positive, to give them that sense of hope. Right? And so we have to really focus on that. The Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, um, you know, there's another story where he was, he was speaking to another companion and he said, how are you this morning? Like, how's your morning going? It's Haritha, right? Sayyidina Haritha. And he said, how are you? How, how's it going this morning? And Haritha responded and said, 
He said, uh, you know, I find my morning, I find myself to be a true believer, right? A true believer, a strong believer. And the prophet, again, he's being, being very positive. He's exhibiting a lot of hope that he's received. Because the prophet's like, how's your morning going? He's like, I'm, I'm a true believer this morning, right? It's kind of weird. <laughs> your imam's like, how's your morning? You're like, I'm a great Muslim, right? Like, great. Instead of like pointing back and saying, now, if we said that, by the way, let's continue that, that, that conversation. If I was, if Sheriff of the Nasr was like, how's you doing? I'm like, man, I'm a, I'm an amazing Muslim today. He might be like, calm down, right? Get a little ahead of yourself, right? You got a lot of work to do. He might say that, right? Some imams might be like, whoa, whoa, you are not as good as you think. In fact, there's a, there's a common discourse in our community to be very, very negative. Right? One time I was at a talk and the imam, a very, very learned uh, sheikh, he said, he was making dua and he said, oh Allah, we're worse than dogs and pigs. And I said, man, speak for yourself. <laughs> no, honestly. Because Allah says what? That he made, he honored Bani Adam. He honored Bani Adam. He gave us ikram. He gave us, he gave us honor. And so to talk bad about ourselves because we think it's some sort of false piety, false, you know, like religiousness, like, oh, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I'm so bad. Yeah, well, you know, if you keep saying that, you might become that way, right? And so the Prophet meets this young companion, he says, how was your morning? And he says, I find myself that I'm a true believer this morning, Rasulullah. He's excited. Maybe he did something that he never did before. Maybe he prayed Qiyam al-Layl. Maybe he donated extra sadaqah. Maybe he did something special. Instead of raining on his parade and saying, what? You got a lot of work to do, young. And instead of saying that, you know what he said? He said, good. You're right. Good. But he said, keep going. Keep going. A lot of parents come to me and they say, and I ask, I ask kids this question a lot. I say, how many of you, are, how many of you, your parents are here right now? Okay, you don't have to answer. Okay. How many of you, your parents tell you on a daily basis, tell you, I love you? It's not a lot. How many of you, your dads tell you on a daily basis, I love you? Okay, good. Right? You know what's interesting? When I use this point and I talk to parents, because I do a little bit of uh, parenting seminars, I tell parents, their parents, you need to tell your kids every day how much you love them, how proud you are of them, how, how happy they are to be your parents, or to be, yeah, like how happy you make them to be your parents, right? How, how, how amazing and honored they are that you're such a good kid. You know what they say? I don't want to make their head big. I don't, want to, I don't want to give them a big ego. But then the automatic response to that becomes, I need to tear them down as fast as possible. I need to make them feel terrible, right? So you come in, you get a 97% on your orgo chem exam, What's the first question? What's the first statement? Not, good job, 97, wow, that's great. Where'd the other 3% go? <laughs> that's the first question. They run away? Huh? Yeah, like the Asian dad memes, right? Yeah. Like your blood type is B positive? Why not A positive, right? So, so that's the kind of response. No, I swear to God, one sister said that if the Prophet Muhammad came to me for marriage, my dad, or if Abu Bakr came for marriage, my dad would say no for Muhammad. Like, if Abu Bakr Siddiq came to my door and said, I want to marry your daughter, my dad would say, nope, I want Muhammad. As in, like, it can never be good enough. Right? It can never be good enough. So we have to encourage this community of positivity. Right? To be positive with each other. If someone does something good, not to get jealous, not to get negative, not to get down on them, but to be positive with each other. And what will that do in turn? That will make our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala positive. Because there is a, there is a dua that is made, that we are taught to make. Rabbirhamhuma kama rabbayani sagira. Oh Allah. And this is a dot to Allah. Everyone repeat for me. Rabbi. Irhamhuma kama 
Rabbayani Sagira. The ulama, we just made dua for our parents, by the way. I mean, we said, Oh Allah, have mercy on them, just like they had mercy on us when they brought us up when we were younger. What's interesting here is that the word Rabb, the word Rabb, what does that mean? Lord, or it refers to Allah, Rabb, right? That word is being used twice, being used two times. But it's referring to Allah only once. Who is the other Rabb referring to? Our parents. And the scholars of Arabic and language and Quran and tafsir say that when Allah uses the same word for two different entities, those things have a relationship. So for example, Allah calls rain, rahmah. Mercy, rahmah. What does that mean? Rain is mercy. So when Allah says, The scholars say, some scholars have said, that the way in which our parents raise us and the positivity in which they have with us and the hope in which they give us is going to affect the way that we see Allah. Whenever a young person comes to me with a crisis of faith, I don't know if I believe in Allah, I don't know if I want to be Muslim anymore, the first question I ask, how's your relationship with your mom and dad? More often than not, 95%, overwhelmingly, right, Shah Nasser? Overwhelmingly. It's terrible. I don't want to be Muslim anymore. How... When's the last time you and your dad had, had, had a good time together? Never. I can't remember. Because there is a common relationship between the hope that human beings have and the hope that one will have with their Lord. That's why Allah commands it. Now, what does this mean? How do, how do, we, how do we turn this into practical advice? Number one is to be a positive person and to be especially a positive friend. To, have, to give hope, to exude hope. So when your friend comes to you and says, you know what, I don't think I did that well on that exam, what's the proper response? You're right, you probably didn't. All right? It's like, man, I think I failed. It's like, yeah, you definitely probably failed. Right? No, it's to be hopeful and to respond with hope, to give them hope. Everyone loves being around someone who offers them hope. We love it. No one loves being around Debbie Downers. Have you guys ever seen that SNL skit? The Debbie Downers skit? No? Okay. Okay. It's basically a skit where all this good news is being told and the one character keeps bringing up this bad thing. So like the guest will be like, yeah, I just got into like the law, my law school that I wanted to get into. And she's like, my cat just died of cancer. Right. <laughs> and it was like terrible. And you always find people like that. What's the common phrase? Misery loves company. People who are in a negative mood, they love to increase that mood around them because it makes them feel less guilty. And it's almost like a self like sadistic, like self-flagellation like group where it's like, oh, we're just going to hate on ourselves all the time. But be that positive person. And you know what that'll do? I swear by Allah, that'll attract positive people. The Prophet ﷺ was surrounded by the greatest generation. Why? Why was he surrounded by the greatest generation? Because he was the greatest person. Positivity and greatness attracts positivity and greatness. So if people complain and say, I want to have new friends. I want to develop better friend circles. I want, I want my family to be a better atmosphere. When I'm at home, I want my atmosphere to be better. My masjid is so dark and dreary. I want it to be better and happier. You know who that starts with? Take a look in the mirror. It starts with you and me. You have to be the change that you want to see in the world, Gandhi, right? It's like that Michael Scott moment, hashtag, or like, quotations, Gandhi, dash, Abdul Rahman Murphy, right? It's like, <laughs> but really, it's true. If you want to have positive friend circles and family environments, be positive. Be that person who helps out. 
And sometimes it gets really awkward being positive and hopeful with people that you respect and that are your elders, especially parents. One time I was driving with my dad in the, in the car, and this is after I started giving youth holocaust and stuff. And a lot of the youth holocausts are focused on, you know, respecting parents, loving your parents, being kind to your parents. And my dad was in the back seat because I had a huge box of stuff. I don't know what it was. It's probably like my mom's Egyptian. It's probably Kosheri in the front seat. And so we're driving and I look in the rear view mirror at a, at a stoplight and I'm like, I have to do it. I tell all the youth that they should do it. So I myself have to do it. I say, dad, he goes, yes, my dad's white, right? Like white convert. My dad's like, yes, son. I'm like, dad, I love you. He goes, uh, thank you. <laughs> right. And it was awkward. It was very awkward because we never grew up saying, I love you. Like my dad, my dad, was, his love was known. I know, I, I still know he loves me. Alhamdulillah, inshallah. Right? And I knew that he loved me. And I know that he will love me. And I love him. But it was never verbalized. But you know, it's very important if you want to be a person of hope and if you want to inspire hope to verbalize that. And how do we learn that? How do we know that that's true? That hope is verbalized. How do we know that? Because Allah verbalizes it himself. Allah in the Quran tells us, don't despair. Have hope. We could always say, well, he's our, he's our Lord. He created us. He doesn't have to tell us that, but he did. Because we are creatures of verbal communication. We need to be reinforced. Sometimes we need to hear things twice. Right? So if you want to increase the hope in your home and your friend circles, number one, be that person. Spread it verbally. The second thing, and this is going to be very, very important, is that as we focus on our relationship with Allah, so first we start with those around us. And that's going to affect us as our relationship with Allah. As we focus on our relationship with Allah, and this is why I brought up the first point, we need to make sure that we are balanced in our hope. That we don't take it too far. Oftentimes, there's a lot of discussion about how we need to stop damning ourselves to hell. Damning, by the way, is not a negative word in this context. We need to stop condemning ourselves to hell, cursing ourselves to hell. Stop being so negative about Allah and how he's such an angry Lord. Because there's there's, there is that rhetoric amongst Muslims. But at the same time, brothers and sisters, we need to be personally honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, are we giving ourselves too much slack when it comes to our relationship with Allah? Are we making too many excuses for ourselves? Like I missed Fajr this morning. It's, it's okay. I prayed it yesterday. All right? Allah is Ghafoor Rahim. Right? And it's true. Allah is Ghafoor Rahim. But you know who he's Ghafoor Rahim to? To those who try their best. Anyone who goes underneath their best effort, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make, has them fulfill the consequences. It's the same example. I'm a teacher. Are there any other teachers in the room? Maybe elementary school, high school, middle school, any other teachers? Any aspiring teachers? Any aspiring doctors? Everyone's like, <laughs> right? <laughs> so as a teacher, and I'll tell you this, as a teacher, okay, let's imagine you all are teachers, right? Whatever grade you want, whatever subject you want, pick whatever you want. Me, gym class for sure, right? You're a teacher, and you have two students. They're both getting C's, right? So for some kids in this room, that's like, yes, right? For all, like, the half-white kids, we're like, yeah, right? But, like, for all the Dacian Arab kids, we're like, oh, God, I didn't know there's anything lower than a B plus, right? <laughs> so everyone's getting a C, right? They're all getting, the two kids are getting C's. The one student never comes to class, never does his homework, never does her homework. Well, we all, that's a lie. Girls always do their homework. Never does his homework, right? Doesn't really study for exams. Never really shows any remorse. Talks during class, right? I'm basically telling you about myself. Then the other student who's getting a C tries their best. Shows up to tutoring. 
turns in all their homework, gets some mistakes. Does as well as they can on the exams, makes some mistakes. Gets their essays written and rewritten and rewritten and checked by teachers, but still can't seem to nail it. Both of those students come up to you one day and say, is it okay if I can get some extra credit to maybe bump my grade up? Which student are you likely to give the extra credit to? The one who tried, the second one, the hard worker. Why? Because you know they put effort forth. So the teacher is forgiving and merciful. Why? Because you know that they did all they could. But if the first kid who didn't care, who didn't really, who wasn't really like interested in anything, and was like, you know what? Come on, give me some extra credit. Come on, right? I'm your favorite student. You're like, no, you're really not, right? <laughs> Would you be willing to give them extra credit? No, because you're like, you didn't even try in the first place. You didn't put any effort forth. I didn't, see you, I didn't see you ever email me a paper to ask me to read it for you and help you out. You didn't come to tutoring. I had after-school tutoring. You didn't do any of the work. But for you who did all the work, yeah, I'll help you out because you showed and you tried. It's the same thing with Allah. Allah is ghafur rahim. He, he loves to forgive. He loves to forgive. But why would you ever want to forgive someone who didn't even care if you forgave them or not? Would you ever want to help a student who didn't care if you helped him or not? You'd be like, what? If you don't care, then you know, you're, not, you're not worthy of it. But the one who did, the one who tried, will get it. So when we talk about hope with Allah, the key factor is, number one, to be hopeful, to embody hope, and number two, to earn that hope from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to earn it. That hope is there. The forgiveness is there. But are we putting forth the effort to earn that forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us people who earn his forgiveness and who live lives of hope and who always, always remember that he is available to us if we make ourselves available to him. Amin ya rabbal alameen. Jazakum al khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.